Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is other types of moons. A blue moon has several different definitions, including four moons in a three-month seasonal cycle. But the path uses the one where a second full moon occurs in the same calendar month. This officially occurs about every 2.7 years. This astrological event occurs because our calendar runs on a cycle of 12 months in a solar year, but there are 13 lunar cycles in a moon calendar year. We believe this is the most auspicious time to work magic for things that may take much longer to manifest, often until the next blue moon occurs. A corresponding phenomenon is a black moon, which occurs when there is a second dark night of the moon in the same calendar month. Others use the period in the same month when a blue moon happens. It usually happens about every 32 months. We believe a black moon's energy is a magnification of incubating new ideas or gaining perspectives, so what occurs can be life-altering. There are two other lunar occurrences that can work to change how the energy of the moon manifests. They are supermoons and lunar eclipses. A supermoon occurs when a full moon coincides with the moon's perigree, or the point in its orbit when it is closest to the Earth. The moon's size appears much larger in the night sky, so on the path we feel that the energy of that particular moon is intensified to manifest something we need more immediately. We determine which astrological sign the moon is in during that particular time and use it for a type of magic that relates. Lunar eclipses occur when the Earth's shadow blocks the sun's light which normally reflects off the moon's surface. There are actually three types of eclipses that can occur, which include total, when all sunlight is blocked, partial, where it looks like something took a bite out of the moon, and penumbral, which most people don't even notice when it happens. A penumbral eclipse happens two to four times per year and creates an appearance of dark shading on the moon from the Earth's shadow. Working magic during an eclipse allows you to pull the powers of a dark moon into a full moon working for a short time. We believe it allows you to access the power of incubation while making magic for something important. Okay, today we're going to wrap up our discussion, for want of a better word, at least for now, about moons and the past tradition. And we're bringing in other kinds of moons, other than the, and by other kinds, I think the best way to describe it is those that don't occur on a monthly basis as part of the regular lunar cycle. And, Absolutely. And, and hello, Elizabeth. It's great to see you again. Good afternoon, Dave. Great to see you, too. But when you think um, about it, you got blue moons and black moons and super moons and apparently micro moons, which we missed. A little bit along the way and eclipses and 
Well, my understanding of the whole topic and and the reason that that you and Susie included this at the at the discussion of the or at the end of the discussion of the moons is because and naturally so we are so attuned or we we make an effort and we get used to being attuned to what we what I would call the local or the this month lunar cycle. Mm-hmm. So all of our or at least the vast majority of our thoughts around the lunar cycle happened to be this month-long thing. And uh, here a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how I had come to the realization that there weren't just four moon days in each month that I could be doing magic, Mm -hmm. but even those in-between days were in a sort of a micro times of so the times of waxing or the times of waning. So I got into the habit now of instead of waiting for new first quarter, you know, um, dark moon or whatever, instead of waiting for those events, I can do my magic any day I want and acknowledge where I am in this local or monthly moon cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the point where we're starting to talk about the fact that just like everything else in the path, there are cycles within cycles and there is balance involved. And so today we're talking about moon cycles or lunar cycles that are longer than our lunar month. Yes, than the traditional 29 and a half days that people think of when they say, when you say lunar cycle to somebody. Right. And I like the idea of your waxing and waning. And even if you think about it, waxing and waning are another kind of balance, and you can always flip the focus of your magic. If you're doing magic and you want to draw money to you and it's a waxing moon, yeah, draw money to you. If it's a waning moon, how about banishing a lack of money? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, Saying goodbye to some debt. Um, Paying that last couple of dollars on some bills so that you know that you have closure somewhere. Sure. Exactly. And that like we're always working on, that's a way to apply our magical thoughts and behaviors in a mundane context. Exactly. So let's think about it. That blue moon, which is, wasn't there a song, too, about blue moons? But that's the same There are songs about blue moons, and they're saying, you know, once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. What? Okay, so for, for those folks that are listening that might have just kind of discovered some of this stuff, what's a blue moon? Okay, well, there's there's been a number, when you really start looking into it, which, of course, the researcher in us did, um, it's got several different, quote-unquote, definitions. All right, the official, I think the Farmer's Almanac definition is if you've got four moons in a three-month season of the year, it's officially a blue moon in their eyes. We kind of use one where if you got two in the same calendar month, guess what? you got a blue moon. It's the full moon. That's that's the one that I think is probably more traditionally common. It has become more so in the last few years as we've gotten away from being an agricultural society more and more, I think. And it, sure. it happens, give or take, about every two and a half years. And then you can run into a spate of them, too, which I find interesting. It's not like you get one every two and a half years. Every two and a half years, you can have several in a row for some unknown reason every once in a while. So there's all sorts of debate about that, but I don't think that matters. You know, the, the, the reason it shows up is we got 12 months in a solar year and 13 months in a lunar. So there's bound to be some overlap 
Well, and mathematic, mathematics will explain why there are times when there's a string of blue moons together. Um, and I believe that's all um, around the difference between our axial tilt and the moon's orbital tilt as compared to the sun's orbit. Uh, probably. If that makes any sense, yeah. It does. I mean, we didn't really care. We just thought it was cool. <laughs> you know. Right, right. Sometimes hey, it's a blue moon. It's it's a special thing that doesn't happen very often, or now we've learned happens, you know, every two and a half roughly years. Mm-hmm. So what's a good thing for me to work on as far as like magical on a two and a half year time frame or, or time schedule, what kinds of magic can I do? Okay, we, we think of it in terms of manifesting a long range goal of some sort. Obviously, okay, take a while to happen. The energy, I don't know, you want to get the down payment for a house and you know it's going to take you a while to save up that money. Kind of okay, yeah, big. I can see that. Or a long-range goal of I want to go back to school to study X within this time frame and getting my ducks in a row to start that sort of thing. Or developing more patience and tolerance for something <laughs> in the long run. You know, something something that doesn't happen overnight or, say, within a lunar cycle, which is where if you're working magic within the lunar cycle, you don't usually plan for something that's going to happen way down the road when you do full moon magic. Right. You're, you're kind of in that, that monthly frame of mind. But um, while you were describing that, another thing that I thought about is, is recently I put my focus, and it's been over probably the last year and a half or so, but I've been putting a lot of focus on diet, diet and uh, exercise and sleep for myself. And during the last year and a half, I have lost about 50 pounds, so it's it's reasonable that that would be another example. If someone had a blue moon and they wanted to do like a like a special dedication a la New Year's resolution, they could begin, you know, a health-based plan or a meditation-based plan or something like that, and then look back at it in two and a half years and see okay, how much how much magic did we work here, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or dedicating yourself to some sort of personal practice. Absolutely, absolutely. Want to add, and then on the flip side of that, because like you said, the path is all about balance. We're like, all right, there's blue moons. What happens when there's, there's got to be something that relates when there's two dark moons? Because if there's two blue moons in a month, two dark moons have to show up at some point in a calendar. Just because this is of, very true. Yeah, math makes that happen. Yeah, and we went looking, and there's what they call a black moon. You know? So a black moon is a period of dark nights of the moon that twice. happens twice in a calendar month. Exactly. And it actually happens about every 32 months, so it's a little closer to three years than two and a half. That is okay. Show- Okay, and it's a we think it's a magnification of those kind of receptive incubating type energies. So sure, so- I mean it's a it's an extra blanket or an extra veil. You know, you're dark on top of dark. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to kind of something you really need to think about for a long time, or a way to incubate an idea that you might want to do later in life kind of thing down the road. 
Sure, but definitely a time of powerful contemplation. Yeah, exactly. Kind of an, an extra boost of energy. I think both the blue moon and the black moon are an extra boost of productive and receptive energies in that respect. Well, I must confess to the fact that I've always observed blue moons and the idea of a black moon is obvious and right there in front of me and had never occurred to me. So I'm sort of looking forward for the next time that we get that, that opportunity to celebrate a double dark. Yeah, that'll, that'll be neat. Yeah, see, this is the neat part of this stuff is I think one of the reasons we went looking at these other moons is part of being on the path is always looking for reasons to celebrate magic and all of that fun natural stuff that pagans are supposed to worship in that sense. I I just want to scratch out the word reasons in that sentence and put the word opportunities. Yeah, okay. That either or. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you when you have as busy a mundane life as I have, I'm always looking not for opportunities but for reasons to get out of the house that I can say, we have ritual because it's a blue moon. Sure. Sure, and it's interesting you say that because from my point of view, and it's probably just a background, but I always had to be convinced of a reason to go to church. Okay. In my life now, I'm always looking for an opportunity for magic. So I think that's just part of the, the maturation of my own life as I started to learn more and more about the, the human being that I am. I think so. I think that's cool. And then once you get through blue and black moons, which are phenomenon from the moon, it's a good way I maybe to describe it. Um, but here again, they give us a longer context, you know, a couple years sort of a span. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to sort of latch onto this and take advantage of it in my own practice because you're, you're right. Seeing a change in some things over the course of a month, you don't really see, you know, sort of like not seeing your friend's children for a couple of years and my God, how they've grown. Well, yeah, you noticed that over a longer span. You don't notice it if you're seeing them every other day. No, yeah, exactly. It's the same sort of thing. And we are, and as a culture, we are very much right now. It has to be fixed right now. And some things require, for want of a better word, long-term commitment and planning to fix. Yeah, yeah, there are there are things, and probably a topic for an, another entire um, discussion, but there are things that instant gratification just cannot give us. And those things tend to be some of the most important things in our lives. Exactly. And and having something to attach them to magically helps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Put aside that instant gratification you were talking about in terms of a health regimen. Okay. Right. Right. Long term, if you have a day where, you know, you're trying to eat more healthy and you have a day where, oh God, for whatever reason, you go out and have a dozen donuts. If you were focused on this month or this week. So that was you yesterday, wasn't it? No, it really wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) If you are focused on the right now and this month, you are more likely to say, fuck it, I blew it, and give up. 
if it's part of a long, long range, it's a bump in the road as opposed to a self-defeating activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, I think part of that, and especially on the, on the dark moon with the introspection, is sometimes I feel like I'm sort of open to needing to rationalize or explain or justify what I've done. So sitting in front of a double black or a, a mm-hmm. black moon, excuse me, which double dark is what I was thinking. Yeah. Sitting in front of those is really a moment for me introspectively to say, all right, what have you put into this? Mm-hmm. You know, is this magic that is working and should be working because you're putting into it what you need to, or was this a new year's resolution that you really haven't worked at? And so of course your magic's not going to work as strong. Uh And is it important enough to really devote time and energy to? Right. Sometimes we need to acknowledge that those new year's resolutions may be wonderful in theory, but they're not relevant to our lives. And we're beating ourselves up for breaking them, but we went into it knowing we that it was an unrealistic change. How's that? Sure. Okay. Sure. So. Now, supermoons, we should be able to do super energy work, right? Yeah, that's the whole idea. The moon is bigger. So there's... Well, extra, it's closer, yeah. Yeah, it's closer, as they say. And the idea is there is that extra boost of energy when you think about it. On the path, we tend to look at what astrological sign the moon is in at that moment. Because why use, see if we have a potential, because you really can use any kind of magic, but why not bring in an extra corresponding boost and use it to manifest something that matches the astrological sign in some way. Sure. And that's something that, you know, starting to read through the path and whatnot, I'm adding into my own practice because certainly I have done monthly moon magic for different things for God, quite a few years now, mm-hmm. but I haven't, uh, I haven't looked out that next level in the in my mental model of the sky to see. But yeah, if I'm looking at a full moon and it's in Sagittarius, although I haven't learned yet the specific different correspondences and whatnot, it makes sense that I would leverage the full moon being based in that direction as opposed to the full moon being in Cancer or Libra or something. So this stuff is all going to be really new to me, but it makes sense to me wherever I'm facing that full moon or that dark moon beyond it is a place. I just haven't learned myself that wheel yet, mm-hmm. but there is a, uh, a wheel or a place there that there's a background or a context. Mm-hmm. So the background of my full moon or my dark nights of the moon has an astrological context that is different each month. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And you, I mean, if you want to get really crazy, you can think in terms of sometimes you can have the moon be in the same astrological sign because of the way the sky works. And that's, I'm sure there's another mathematical model for that. You can have the moon be in Sagittarius, say, three months in a row. 
but seasonally the year is turning so you're going to have a different energy of a season in there as well as the uh, you you can you can go on and on and on layer and have a really good time and sometimes you start layering and all of a sudden you know it's like oh we're going to have a super moon we should do something just because and all of a sudden you've discovered the exact same thing you should be doing it's like the universe says if you look at this and this and this don't you see this is what you need and that's happened to us more than once I I have to say that my own personal experience on super moons has been sit in awe and be told. So I, I let that's why I say I'm I'm so looking forward to experiencing a black moon with a, a magical mindset. And here again, that black moon is going to have an astrological context to it. Oh, exactly. And then you you mentioned well, if there's a super moon, there's got to be an opposite. And I'm well a course a balance for want of a word and it turns out there's a micro moon which i didn't even consider so thank you for opening up my eyes to that possibility and that if you look it up it says it's the epigee it's the farthest difference from distance from the earth so So it's a full moon but it's the full moon that is the at full at the time where the moon is the farthest from the earth so it looks smaller in the night sky than what sure. we normally see, hence the name Micromoon. Dun, dun, dun. You know, but the idea is okay, the energy's still there, but maybe it's going to take a little longer to manifest, or this might be a time you want to layer on all those correspondences to boost the energy to a more normal level. I could see that. And I could also see trying to do internal or shadow work around a black micro moon mm-hmm. could be very uh, difficult to the point of yeah afterward i would have gone what the heck went wrong with that ritual mm-hmm. but now that i can understand it ahead of time and can sort of look at the yeah. the lunar weather so to speak i could say yeah just not don't do that on that night that's just not good for you yeah, and the other piece I think is yes, you can do magic anytime, period. All right, but why not, for one of the better words, set the odds in your favor for success? Which sure, is absolutely talk about super moons and micro moons and the different things that happen that can increase or maybe delay or not have it turn out exactly as we wanted because we've had some spectacular failures both of us trying to do or, it. or perhaps or perhaps we're going to get exactly what we want but it's going to happen in a way that's a lot more subtle and natural as opposed to sharp and abrupt and bang this is direct application of power exactly i think so and then to kind of some to keep going lunar eclipses who knew there were so many kinds yeah, right. You all know. kinds of eclipses. Oh, yeah. Well, you've got full where, it, you know, I, we've all seen pictures of those or maybe experienced them where the sun, you know, the moon seems to disappear and then come back. Yep. You know, which is kind of awesome when you watch it carefully. Or a partial eclipse, which makes you think that some sort of god or dragon or something equally good has taken a bite out of the moon. And then it right. comes back. 
And then my personal favorite, because I, I thought it was cool, was the penumbral, which is where there's kind of a hazy shadow over the moon, which makes me wonder how many times have we just thought it was clouds in the, in the sky. Sure. And it was actually a penumbral eclipse. Yeah, I think there's a lot more people that are not aware that those are a thing or that happen. Yeah. Um, and it's like you say, it's a subtle effect on the moon, but as as far as visually, but the the physical lineup that happens there and just sort of a grazing effect is something that you can sort of leverage into the magic that you're doing at that kind of point. Mm-hmm. Well, we tend to, we looked at it and said, okay, it's kind of like you've got a moon in the sky, whatever phase it's in. It seems to happen mathematically, again, more on a full moon, or maybe we just see it more at that point. But seeing it on the face of the moon, it's like bringing the dark moon energy into, for want of a better word, the white moon's energy at the same time. Sure. So you could do something that is both projective and receptive or receptive and projective at the same time. Well, and and for some reason, what my mind went to is sublimation, which is a form of sort of transmutation or, or, or something like that. But sublimation is when you go directly from a solid to a gas mm-hmm. without having a liquid state. So to, to just run the metaphor right into the ground here, during that moment, I pictured a great big pair of ice tongs dragging a huge, massive block of dry ice out into the sunshine. Okay. And as the sun hits that, instead of the ice melting to water, it yeah, it flashes right off to instantly being vapor and steam. And during that process, so many things are changed, but inside the water molecules don't change at all. Okay. So it's sort of neat for me to be able to visualize a form of transmutation over there where um, using my, my current circumstances right now in my mundane life as, as a, as a metaphor here, you know, there are huge sweeping changes that I'm trying to make. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I recognize that I am I, and I am going to continue to be this I through those changes. Mm-hmm. And sort of like sort of like the water molecules in that moment of sublimation. You know, I'm going through a bunch of huge changes, but I'm still water. And you're still you. Your 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 essence doesn't change, in other words. Right, right. External is changing dramatically. Yeah, see this this now this makes me want to have all of these eclipses and micro moons right away so that I can experience them all, um, which is fun when the universe makes me wait. Yeah, well, yeah, but it gives you time to plan what you want to do with them. Well, and create intention about not only what I want to do with them, but how I'm going to see and observe them. I think so. Got to admit, it's kind of fun. The more you start looking at stuff, if you, in, in a lot of what I think this whole thing about the different moons really relates to is being willing to take something we think we know or are familiar with and look at it in different ways. How else can I see it? 
Absolutely. Yep. Being being able to take different contextual perspectives and observe which angles we see in a more magical way and which angles we may see perhaps in a more mundane way. And so then in the act of us seeing, we are choosing what directions we want to see things from. And that's bringing magic into mundane. Well, sure it is. And I think that's the fun part. I mean, what you said, we were talking earlier before we started broadcasting about how so much of the path all comes back to balance. There has to mm-hmm. both for it to work. It's like you can't appreciate light unless you get dark. Absolutely. You can't, you can't truly appreciate love until you have understood grief. Yeah. And I know that. That, that sounds weird, but coming from, from my philosophy of having my wife transition to being in the next room to being over my shoulder, yeah. I understand so much more about the how and why of my love for her. Mm-hmm. And her love. But I had to have both, and her love for me, certainly, but I had to have both of those perspectives before I could really understand clearly what it was that I was seeing. Yeah, I think so. And it relates to a whole lot of mundane stuff, you know, as well. That's and 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 we talk about balance. Do not think that we think we have these lives of perfect balance. If you walk the path, we have (laughs) beaten that one to death in terms of balance is an ideal. Well, I like to tell people that I actually do have balance. There are days when I walk around with rose-colored glasses, and I think everything is going to be wonderful and perfect. But there are also days when I have shit-colored glasses, and I walk around, and everything is brown and drippy and nasty, and life just smells bad. Yeah. You know, (laughs) sometimes I would like to be able to take some of the extremes out of the balance, but there is balance. Well, yeah, no, I think that's the whole point of what we do on the path is that things tend to go to extremes and recognizing when we are extreme and pulling back before we go over the cliff as opposed or to understanding that this is a cycle and just leaning forward into it and finishing that crying rant out and moving onward. Yeah. This too will change, <laughs> you know, yeah. things are not static. And I think because we think in terms of the whole being in balance, we also need to recognize I can be really in balance in this part of my life and wildly out of balance over here. Sure. At the same time. Sure. Yeah, times 40 different aspects of our life, certainly. I think that's one of the things that has helped me with when I am thinking as magical, Dave, Mm-hmm. I am always thinking of the same magical day where in my mundane life, sure, I have a whole bunch of different aspects and facets, but I think that's one of the things that has been so calming for me getting back involved with the podcast and whatnot mm-hmm. is because the more time I spend in my magical mind, the more I understand that my month mundane mind is just a scared rabbit running around like the rest of us but magically i am wonderful and fine and sage okay which makes sense and there are just i think the longer you hang out on the path you will discover there are probably as many aspects of magical dave as there are mundane dave right now i am just 
completely infatuated with any connection I can make to the magical, and it's making a difference in my life. That's the important piece. So that seems like a good point to wrap that one up. Sure, yeah. I mean, when's the next when's the next black moon? Can you tell me that off the top of your head or No, but I probably just put you on the spot anyway. Yeah, probably. I'll tell you I'll tell you well, let's put that one out for the podcast folks. Um here in the next few weeks, just a little teaser, but we're going to be starting out a uh, a Discord community um well, through Patreon and whatnot. So start thinking Start doing your research, and maybe we could have our listeners help us compile a list of when the next blue moon is and when the next black moon is and when the next super moon. Super moon. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Eclipse. Um, fun anyway, if you be find safe an interesting, be well and be loved. And if you find an interesting lunar occurrence that we haven't been talking about, shoot us an email about that. Yeah, absolutely. Either Dave or Elizabeth at Two Young Crowns, and uh, we'll get right back to you. Thank you much, and you have a blessed day, as you like to say, and as I like to say, may you have mirth and reverence in all things. In all things. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witch Stone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone card for Witch Blood. Concept stones focus on an aspect of the craft rather than a specific physical energy. The Witch Blood Stone is the sixth of eight mental concept stones of the Witch Stone Oracle that relate to the energy of thoughts or processes. It displays a pictograph of a red drop of blood surrounded by a white and black border. The border being split tells us that this is a concept card. The border being white over black or air over earth tells us that this card represents a mental concept. We who are walking the path believe that every practicing witch has witch blood inside of themselves, which is awakened and grows stronger over time and with study and actually practicing their craft. There are some who practice who believe they are hereditary witches with a lineage that goes back into the dim and distant past and that anyone else cannot possibly be a witch. However, if you consider humanity's genetics as a whole, some small part of your makeup must contain the seeds of witchcraft. After all, we all have junk DNA inside of us, which is non-coding DNA. Scientists recognize that it comprises about three-quarters of our DNA, but they have no idea what most of it does or why we have it. Perhaps this is where the witch blood, the spiritual component to our DNA, is existing, just waiting in each of us to be brought to life, which magically connects us as all awakening practitioners. Witch blood is that connection that calls to the elements, the genus loci, spirit of place, the old gods and ancestors, and the divine, and which is recognized as belonging to a spiritual seeker who wants to create change within themselves and through their world of magic. Awakening witch blood 
is an internal process, so the energy in this case is receptive. These changes happen as a person's practice develops over time and with sincere effort. Working with one's past and uh, develop. Pardon me. Working with one's past and developing connections with others may also be part of this process. As it is receptive, its energy is associated with the dark half of the year. The Witch Bloodstone card associates with the new or dark moon. The Witch Blood represents thoughts and ideas when reflecting on the element of air. The Witch Blood card represents personal development when reflecting on the element of earth. In a reading... The scene energy for the Witch Blood Stone card is family or magical connections, valuing the past, and spiritual awakening. Family or magical connections are forged through shared experience, and we may need to take some time to appreciate them in our life. Valuing the past may mean taking the time to see how far we have come in our practice and recognize what has brought us to where we are right this moment. And spiritual awakening may mean we are about to experience an epiphany, a sudden realization which leads to profound change in how we relate to the world around us. The unseen energy for the Witch Bloodstone card in a reading is family or magical connections, need for forgiveness, and dormancy. Family and magical connections are needed by all of us, but it may be time to evaluate which ones are healthy for us at this particular time in our life. Need for forgiveness may need, may mean that we need to forgive someone for a past wrong or learn to forgive ourselves, or it may mean that we need to seek forgiveness from someone that we have wronged. And dormancy may mean that your personal witch blood is still asleep waiting to be awakened by your spiritual practices. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint discusses the idea of what makes essential oils so essential. Now, before we get started, any ingredient or tool or witchy gadget that we ever talk about is never required for you to work magic or have in ritual and does not make you a witch if you have it or don't have it. But we find that the bells and whistles are a lot of fun. Essential oils are basically a, an oil of a plant product that has been distilled in some way to create an oil. An essential oil, in other words, is the essence of the plant. And while some of them smell wonderful and are great for all kinds of things, from anointing candles for a spell or ritual or to create an anointing oil, they're not required. However, if you're going to use them, it's worth considering the slightly extra cost to get an essential oil and not some watered-down version of a scent or a scented oil unless you're wearing it as a perfume. The best way to tell if an essential oil is 100% essential oil is to actually read the label or do your research. Just because it's available at some local metaphysical store does not mean it is a pure essential oil. 
Essential oils can be used for all sorts of things. Like I said, one of the most common is for anointing candles for a spell where if you're doing a spell to draw something to you, you rub down from the top and up from the bottom. And if you're using it to send something away from you, you rub from the middle out to the edges before you light it. And obviously essential oils have similar correspondences to the actual herb or plant that is used to make them. Some essential oils end up being a lot more expensive than others, and it has to do with such factors as how easily you can harvest a plant, the amount you need to produce the oil, whether you have to harvest it at a specific time of day to get the particular plant yield to have the highest amount of oil, uh, and even the rarity of the plant. And when you think about it, one of the most common complaints is rose essential oil is so expensive. But when you think about it, it takes about 5,000 pounds, not roses, pounds of rose petals. And knowing how light rose petals are, think of how many that actually is to make literally 16 ounces of rose essential oil. And if you buy one of those little bottles of essential oil, that's literally about a half an ounce. So it really adds up in price. We have on the path, created an essential oil recipe over the years that we use for anointing ourselves as the start of ritual. And because we made it ourselves, the actual scent has come to mean a mental signal for us to start ritual. Where the ritual is about to begin, magic is going to happen, all that fun stuff that we talk about when we talk about the opening part of a ritual. So I thought I would share it here, and it will be in the after-the-show notes that are available on our website. Our anointing oil recipe is as follows. Use one milliliter of any kind of base oil. Very often you can stretch for one of a better word to use of your essential oils by mixing them with a base oil. So let's start there for a second and talk about base oils. People use jojoba oils, olive oil, grapeseed oil, any of those organic ones that don't have a smell of their own. Okay, so for the anointing oil recipe, you need one milliliter of base oil, 14 drops of sandalwood oil, 5 drops of rose oil, 2 drops of frankincense oil, and a small piece of myrrh resin. You're going to mix those all together gently in a, store it in a non-clear bottle. You often see those little brown colored bottles of essential oil. There's a reason for that. The potency and shelf life for want of a better word, of an essential oil can be greatly decreased if it's exposed to too much light. So here's an extra hint for you. If you want to buy essential oils for yourself, don't keep them on a shelf in your kitchen windowsill. Put them away somewhere where it is dark unless you are using them for something. So again, what makes an essential oil essential is the effect of the distilled process that creates the essence of the plant's oil for use in your magic or life in general. But remember, you don't need them to be a witch. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two young crones. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter. Until then, Until then remember, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. 
We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So, so it be.